0: the book of galatians in the in the new testament is actually a letter written by a guy named paul who wrote most of the content in the new testament and uh, paul wrote a letter to this church in galatia this uh, or what we would say was churches because it was in three or four cities across the south end of a roman province called galatia because at that time rome pretty much dominated the world or at least the known world and so he Uh, paul had gone there in the year uh, probably 47 or 48 and he had started these churches went town to town told them about jesus the people responded they started churches and if you can imagine what it's like to start a church in the year 47 or 48 it's around 20 years after jesus actually uh, died and rose again Uh, there's no uh, guidance like we have the bible to look back on and say hey this is how we should live or this is how we should think or this is what these things mean and in the like 20 years into this galatians is either the first or second book of the new testament that's written down so they don't even have like the gospel stories of jesus's life or his teachings it's all just like oral sharing and traditions that they had built and these are short-term traditions and so when paul goes and starts a church very quickly behind him some other people come in and say oh paul said this but really this thing over here and the conflict to be specific, in their case, uh, which is not our case today, but in their case, it was uh, people who were uh, Jewish who were becoming Christians because Jesus was a Jewish man and followed Jewish laws for the most part uh, and, and lived that lifestyle. He followed Jewish moral laws all the time, ceremonial laws. He broke frequently, which is kind of what made him Jesus. Uh, and then there were people who are Gentiles, And if you were a Jewish person, as Paul was and Jesus was and many of the other early church leaders were, the Gentiles was everyone else. And so there was the people who were in and there were the people who were out. And the strange thing was that all of a sudden these people who were on the outside started turning to Jesus. And Jesus started uh, like entering their lives and they were dedicating and committing themselves and putting their full faith and trust in Jesus. And so you had these churches full of people who were inside and had defined themselves as being insiders and all of a sudden these outsiders were coming and you had to figure out what do we what is required to be a follower of jesus and if you're an insider you've got this set of things and if you're an outsider you've got a completely different set of things and so when the insiders who were judaist uh, like jewish in their uh, culture and upbringing and religion and politics when they Had this kind of conflict and saying, You need to become like us because we were here first. Paul, on that occasion, writes this letter to the Galatians. And so we're going to read from the second chapter, uh, just a few verses. Right before this, Paul has been talking about the conflict that he's experienced in his own life as a person. He was a Jewish person and he was very much about the Jewish faith. He was actually arresting and imprisoning Christians because he thought they were um, uh, like uh, taking the. Jewish faith in a turn that it shouldn't go. Uh, He was arresting them, imprisoning them, and even having some of them put to death when Jesus came and spoke to him. And then Paul became uh, the de facto missionary to the Gentiles. And so a guy who defined himself as the insider of insiders all of a sudden becomes the one that God uses to reach all of the outsiders, uh, which is kind of this great twist. If you've ever been in a situation that you, you know I don't belong here, but you have something to share with these people or to share with the people around you. That was Paul's whole calling or his whole life. So I'm going to read these verses, and then I want to talk through them a bit. And I think there's some applications to our real life today uh, that we can make and uh, that will be meaningful for all of us. So you can follow on your app or on the screen. Uh, We, and Paul is speaking to just himself and the people that are with him, the Jewish people. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, which I'll explain in a minute, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're not justified by the works of the law, but we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because, the works of the, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in christ we jews find ourselves also among the sinners or also among the gentiles the outsiders doesn't that mean that christ promotes sin and the answer is absolutely not if i rebuild what i destroyed then i really would be a lawbreaker for through the law i paul is speaking who wrote this letter for through the law i died to the law so that i might live for god I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness can't be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now, to kind of explain what that means, the Jewish people experience... Or uh, what we call righteousness or justification, which means both of those words means right standing with God uh, by, um, by God's own decision. And so you experience right standing with God by being an insider. And being an insider meant, fo- meant following a moral code, moral laws, and a ceremonial code, ceremonial laws. And you can read in the Old Testament there's moral laws uh, don't murder, uh, don't do adultery. Uh, Behave in this way, love God in this way, have no other gods above me, those kinds of things. And then there's ceremonial laws uh, that deal with like sacrifices or high holy days on the calendar. And those things were not moral in nature, they were ceremonial in nature. In all of that, the people who uh, followed the Jewish faith and were a part of that people group experienced justification or righteousness. They were in right standing before God By doing those actions, and included in those actions were sacrifices that covered the times that they may have made mistakes and didn't follow the actions the way they wanted to. Into that system comes uh, Jesus, who follows the moral law, but says the ceremonial law was there to teach you about me, and I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. And Paul begins to teach that this Old Testament law doesn't bring life. Here's uh, how that happens. In our world today, we don't, like, uh, not very many of us follow uh, Old Testament moral and ceremonial law. We would all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you follow Old Testament moral law. Um, uh, To not follow the moral laws in the Old Testament, to say Christians can do whatever they want, I'm going to teach you something. You can write this down. It's called antinomianism and it's terrible and it's evil and it's horrid and people do it all the time so if you want antinomianism you can uh, write that down and when someone is arguing something throw that word out because no one actually knows what it means like bible scholars do and you can be like ah that's that sounds like antinomianism and people won't admit that they don't know what that means and you'll be like yeah my our pastor you know he's pretty smart he didn't have to google what that means so (laughs) i did um i do actually every time i know what it means but i don't know how to explain what it means but uh, but when you say i don't follow any laws as a i'm a follower of jesus only and so there's no rules uh, that is uh, not what jesus was leading people to do jesus is the fulfillment of the old testament law he doesn't abdicate the entire old testament law he doesn't get rid of it but your understanding and your interaction with it changes because of jesus's existence Today, we don't follow, we don't have that system. But we have a system that's kind of a civil religion system where you do the right thing, where you do more uh, good things than bad things. And the judge of who decides, like, what's a good thing and what's a bad thing is kind of like a, a popular opinion poll. And that's why the what's good and what's bad can change over time, uh, because this was good and this was bad, 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 10 years ago and now something else is good and something else is bad and so we have a a, a civil religious system in our culture that says if you do more good things than bad things at the end of everything there'll be this god and there's kind of a a tipping scales there and you want to have more on the good side than the bad side because no matter what religion is right and all religions are right because that's what tolerance tolerance means as long as you have more on the good side than the bad side, you're good for whatever comes next. That isn't what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture, like, if we follow that kind of a system, I I think there's a couple consequences to that. And the first is that we need to uh, eliminate grace. We don't need to extend grace to each other or have grace extended to us for the things that we're stacking on the bad side, as long as we've stacked more things on the good side. So a culture that believes in this tipping point, uh, tipping scales, um, I think should go, like the problem isn't that you believe in this, the problem is that you don't believe in it enough, Uh, because you should get rid of grace altogether. You don't need to extend grace to people, because their good things, if their good things outweigh their bad things, then you're good with them. So if someone offends you, that's fine. Because they have not offended you four times and that four outweighs the one. Or if someone hurts you or someone cuts you off in traffic, well, you're not allowed to be upset because those other five cars didn't cut you off in traffic. But you extend grace to the person in front of you because they cut you off and maybe they're having a bad day, maybe they didn't see you. And so you don't road rage, right? That's called grace. But in a tipping scales thing, you should just choose to road rage, right? Because even though these other five cars didn't do anything to you and there's the tipping scales you've got your own tipping scales and this person in this car has never done anything good for you and so in a tipping scale system you're justified in ramming them <laughs> but put your glasses on first <laughs> you you then need to admit if you're a, a follower of jesus that the crucifixion becomes pointless jesus's death and resurrection. For the forgiveness of sins is unnecessary if it's a weigh scale system because if jesus forgives your sins you actually don't need the forgiveness of sins as long as you do more good things than bad things if we believe in a weigh scale system or a tipping scale system and so we are eliminating grace we're eliminating the need for jesus's death and resurrection and then we eliminate what paul talks about the crucifixion of ourselves or the regeneration of ourselves all we need is more good actions than bad actions we actually eliminate i think god's holiness because the reason that the tipping scale doesn't work for the god of the bible is because the god of the bible is entirely and perfectly and completely holy meaning nothing impure can hang out in his presence you can come close to god and the holiness of god will actually drive the impurity Away from, it's the, away from God himself. So when we believe, don't believe in this system, when we believe a little bit of impurity is okay because we've got so much good things, what we actually have to do is deconstruct the holiness of God, and we actually take God down a few notches so it's not so that we're acceptable to God, but so that God is acceptable to us. We serve... The God of the Bible, who is a God that is intolerant to sin. A God who is intolerant to impurities. The things on your way scale that are bad, God is intolerant to them. And then the Bible, and that's, I know that's a bit offensive, but watch this. Then the Bible refers to the things that are on your good scale. And they actually uh, refer to them as um, in a crass way i'm going to say as dirty rags but it's crasser than that that the bible refers to the good things that you have to offer god because god is so great that when you do your very best god is not like i've never got it's it's not surprising god doesn't look at your very best and say this i didn't expect that anyone would ever be this awesome it's much more like if you're Uh, child is learning to play the trumpet in beginning band and they play hot cross buns and it's the best version of hot cross buns you've heard since your older child went through beginning band and you're like I don't think that anyone has mastered hot cross buns in this way in history the truth is they were awful like if if you actually sat down and listened to a band like you're not buying their record right (laughs) or you don't buy records anymore, you're not downloading or streaming or copying illegally there, whatever it is, <laughs> right, there is, but from a parent's perspective, they're all there, this is, I had beginning band concert the other day, and my first kid's done, and my next kid is playing trumpet, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be long, and like I'm, it's gonna be hot, right, and, and I'm not that impressed by hot crust buns, and I'm not that good at pretending I am, but they come out, hot crust buns starts, and it's just like a sea of, oh, 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 right? And, and the grandma and grandpa are there with the iPad instead of the, like, just holding it up. <laughs> my parents holding up the iPad, right? I'm taking a picture of them and mocking them on social media, not taking pictures of my children, mocking my parents instead. Uh, but it is, it's like, Guys, it's hot cross buns, right? Like, put those down. Wait till you hear the eighth graders. Oh my gosh, they're good, right? Like, they've got skill. These kids, they don't even know what they're doing, right? They're not even holding their instrument right. Like, I don't even know how to say, I don't know how to play anything. I'm the worst musician in my family already. So it is, uh, but when we do our very best for God, it's like sixth graders playing Mozart or Beethoven or a famous composer. Those are the only two I know <laughs> Uh, but it's like you've tried to do your very, very best, or if you don't do music, it's like watching your kids who are six and seven-year-olds play baseball, right, and you're like, my kid might be the best seven-year-old to ever play baseball. I should probably be videotaping this for the scouts right now, right, and and then you realize your kid's awful, right, like it's just awful because they're seven, And, and they might have potential and this kind of thing, but that's how God looks at us as a parent, And God looks at us and says, oh, those good things that they're doing, I'm really impressed. But God isn't ridiculous in in thinking that you are as good as him. And so when we try to take away the holiness of God and bring God down a few steps, it makes us feel like we're closer to God. Instead of allowing God to change ourselves, we change God. Because an intolerant God is offensive but an intolerant god is theologically necessary in order for god to be completely holy if god is completely pure which he must be in order to die and rise again for your sin in order to defeat death he must be but we are scared of that because we are sucked into this thinking of a tipping scale so where in all of this do we find jesus because Jesus is the thing that destroys the need for a tipping scale. And in, this, uh, in these verses, uh, Paul actually talks about where Jesus is. Uh, if seeking to be justified in Christ, so if we're looking for Christ, this is verse 17, we Jews, we insiders, find ourselves among sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? If you're looking for Jesus, he is consistently among the outsiders jesus is consistently found among people who don't think they have it all together when we're ready to admit and able to admit that we don't have it all together that god is very much higher than us and we are very much humble in his presence jesus is able to hang out in those places because those people have a right understanding of themselves and of god And the relationship between the two this is why pride is such a dangerous dangerous sin because as soon as you think more highly of yourself than you ought to you put yourself in danger of not being accessible to jesus and if we ask where is jesus in this tipping scale jesus is with the people who are saying oh like i've got a lot of bad and my good is not that impressive. Especially if I compare myself to others, which we all do, right? Like, and when we get there, I just hope I die with a lot of bad people and then they'll average out and I'll be in. <laughs> but when we are honest about our scales and we're like, I'm, I kind of have an inclination towards things that aren't bad. If you include my thoughts, maybe I'm good at not saying the things I think, but uh, if... I'm leaning in the wrong direction. Jesus goes towards those people because Jesus uh, is different than the law, different than an inside or outside perspective in this. When you just have rules and laws that govern your life, you end up tipping the scale in the wrong direction. If you're a disciplined person, your discipline is eventually broken, like one day you forget to do or you don't do or you're not able to do the thing that you are disciplined to do. And that breaks the system a little bit. And so the law, and this is clear in this passage, the law only brings like uh, destruction and death and brokenness. The law never creates life. And what Jesus does is actually create life. And so in a real way, Jesus comes to people who have this scale that's tipped. And and instead of... uh, Instead of Jesus coming and condemning people, he comes over and he wipes off the bad. So your scale suddenly tips in the wrong direction. And we tend to go, you turkey, Jesus, and take the bad stuff and put it back on there, right? Like we remember it and we're like, no, 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 Jesus. I am not a good dude, right? And we stack that on and Jesus wipes it off. Or we get new bad stuff and we keep stacking that on and Jesus keeps wiping it off. And we're like, Jesus... Like, I've got a lot of good. It's weighing it down. I don't need this anymore, which is the sin of pride, which is a dangerous place to be. Jesus, when we put our full faith and trust in him, what the Bible describes is he actually takes what we put on that bad end of the tipping scale, and he puts it, uh, the Bible uses the words, as far as the east is from the west, wherever that is. You go forever in that direction and put your sin forever in that direction. And that's the separation between you and the thing that you think you can balance out. Because when you go into God's presence, it isn't about being balanced. It's about being pure. It's about being what the Bible calls holy. And when Jesus actually unloads the bad off your scale, he actually creates life in you and makes you Holy. This is what Paul talks about when he says, so I crucify myself, like I destroy my old self and God makes me something new. So that Jesus isn't just doing like some kind of after death insurance so that when you die, you go to a good place and not a bad place. That's the first part of salvation, but that's not the complete picture. The rest of salvation is that Jesus actually gives you an entirely new identity. Uh, Paul uses the words, um, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, this is verse 20, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the way that Christ removes that is through his giving of himself in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So that Jesus, the Bible teaches, takes on the sins of the world in order for you to be presented before God sinless so that your tipping scale doesn't matter because one side of it is empty and if you stay with just a tipping scale understanding of god's work in your life you don't understand that god's actually made you an entirely new person who doesn't think about life in terms of a tipping scale to where you've gone from someone who's weighing and balancing and trying and striving and reaching upward this is the whole design of religion this upward striving So that Jesus actually is above religion and stronger than religion so that Jesus makes you someone new. And not just um, like after death. This happens when you begin to follow Jesus at this current time. The old you is done away with and the new you, which lives in Christ, becomes the the true and the whole and the holy person that you are. You might see yourself as an insider. Maybe you like grew up in church or you go to this church a lot or you, you know a lot of things. And the danger for an insider is to begin to think that you're good. To begin to think that you're solid, like things are all right. Because that begins this like slow chipping away at your actual need and dependence on Jesus and on his work in your life. You begin to think maybe you've arrived. It's a dangerous place because it's kinda hard to know. I've got young children dressing up as me. (laughs) I may have arrived. It's a dangerous thing to begin to think I've got a handle on life because life has a way of throwing curveballs at us that are really surprising and when we've built our own foundation that gets knocked out quickly. If you're an insider person, this dependence on Jesus, this stopping defining your life by good and bad, even if your good is very, very heavy and outweighs the bad, that way of thinking uh, destroys the holiness of God and the humility that you need in order to be in God's presence. So if you're an insider person, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just your danger is different than an outsider person. It's much more dangerous to have just enough Jesus so that you feel okay than it is to be without Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, To have just enough Jesus, uh, the Bible actually uses the words like, it's like lukewarm water in your mouth. And and you instantly like want to get that out of your mouth. It's not like refreshing like hot tea or refreshing like a cold drink. It's just day old hose water and your spirituality is something that you want to get out of your mouth, Uh, your presentation of yourself to God, the Bible describes as something that God wants to get out of his mouth as quickly as possible. If you're a person that's on the inside, that danger is, is real because you can have enough Jesus that you trick yourself into thinking you're okay. And then you just kind of, like the momentum of you, just kind of carries on until you eventually maybe dwindle to a stop. There's actually whole like research studies that show, I had friends that, a friend in seminary did a project on this, that people's spiritual life from the age 40 to the age 60 actually declines a lot of the time. Like the, the study showed the majority of the time. Because you've done it and you maybe worn yourself out and you're a little bit tired and now you're just kind of tumbling towards the end. When you should be taking off, like there should be exponential growth, compound interest, because God has shown himself faithful to you repeatedly and so you know you can trust him more and more and more, but we instead just kind of dwindle. That's the danger for an insider, is dwindling the last three or four decades of your life away because you're good, which could be your most impactful and most generous and most uh, significant and most giving and most like, passing on decades of your life if you're an outsider it's less dangerous because it's very easy for you to know that you need jesus because you don't have any jesus at all like if this whole concept of god is new to you or if you consider yourself a person that doesn't really you're not a church person or a religion person what the Bible describes as the holiness of God and the sacrifice of Jesus is a free gift that is received by putting your full faith and trust in Jesus. Simply by realigning your, like, who's the king or the lord of your life from yourself or from a, a concept that you've designed to Jesus and to the scripture and to the Holy Spirit's work in your life and then allowing God to renew you and make you into a completely new person. It's a radical thing, and I've seen it happen repeatedly to people, where people who know someone who I've seen give their life to Jesus will say, hey, I know them, and I know they started going to your church. They're like a whole new person. And my response is, that's theologically accurate, (laughs) because I've seen it. That is, when you turn your life over to Jesus, you can stop striving and trying to make sure that you're good with whatever's coming in the afterlife and live with an assurance that the work of Jesus and his death, his burial, and his resurrection is applied to your life so that you stand justified or righteous or holy before God. So if you've never, like, made that decision, I think it's the most important decision that you could possibly make. It's the most significant and eternal decision that you can make. And I would encourage you to make it today. We're going to pray in a second and we sing a couple songs to close our service. And then we're going to have trick or trunk. And if you today want to make that your prayer to God that He would take over your life, that He would make you new, that He would remove your sin and give you new life, Today's the day to make that happen. And I'd encourage you to tell someone. If you came with a friend, tell them, hey, I, I noticed, pray that prayer that the pastor guy said. The, uh, or, or stop by the go table. They have resources and Bibles and like small books to get you started on this journey. You can tell me or tell anyone. Uh, I'll be at a Star Wars-themed trunk and you can, we can talk about it. It's the most important decision that you can make. And I don't think it's coincidence that you would be here on a day when we're talking about the degree that god loves you and the depth of god's choice of you to be his let me pray for us together all right let's stand and we'll pray and then sing together jesus our god we um come before you with uh humility knowing who we are and we come before you in awe of who you are your greatness god makes everything that we do and everything that we are seem so small and yet in you you magnify our efforts and our contributions so even though our efforts may sound like a like a sixth grade band or a seven-year-old t-ball team that you take that and turn it into something beautiful and so we pray that in our lives There are people here, God, who maybe never put their full faith and trust in you today, and today they're making that decision, and so I pray that your spirit would move in their lives, that you would speak to them specifically. For some of us who have been insiders and have got just enough Jesus, it's like a a vaccine, we've got just enough of the disease that we can actually hold off a full infection. And we've held off you fully working in our life by just taking little bits and i pray that you would break down those walls in our lives and move in us and through us in such a way that we become an entirely new person may the old be gone as far as the east is from the west and may our lives be only found in you we pray this by your name and by your grace